genre. Welcome back to The Doctor's Companion Presents Doctor Who, The Long Way Around, the weekly podcast where we review and discuss every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Cass Fredrickson. And I'm Nick Jimenez. Today on the show, we'll be discussing Love and Monsters and Fear Her, the 10th Doctor's Ninth Story. Um, and uh, uh, it's because uh, I, I Fear Her is the, doc- the, the 10th Doctor's Ninth Story. Love and Monsters is like uh, another thing entirely. Elton's uh, first story. Y- yes. <laughs> um, so, so uh, okay. So Love and Monsters um, comes to us from writer Russell T. Davies and director Dan Zeff. This is Dan Zeff's only uh, directing credit on Doctor Who. And um, I guess the story of Love and Monsters began with a little show called Blue Peter, which is a children's program uh, that's been running in the BBC since 1958. And uh, back in the 60s, um, they did a like a a competition for a design a monster competition back in the 60s. And it was like hugely popular. And uh, Russell T. Davies wanted to like, now that the show was like back up and running and in its second season, he wanted to like renew that relationship with Blue Peter and uh, do a design a monster uh, competition. And the winner um, was nine-year-old William Grantham, um, who designed the Absorbaloff. And apparently... Um, Grantham, uh, has grown up to not only be an actor, but also a writer, director, and producer of animated content. So wow. that's how long Dr. Who's been back. Oh my God. Um, a nine-year-old <laughs> is now working in the industry. Um, so, uh, so, so, so the absor- the, the Absorbaloff wins, um, Tenet actually picks the winner, uh, David Tenet, and, uh, thought that this was the most impressive one. Um, and so Davies was like, okay, like we're going to use that monster in an episode of Doctor Who. Like that's the big prize. And um, what he did not know, however, was that uh, the intention for the Absorbaloff was that um, he was going to be like, like, like really, really tall, like, like kaiju sized. Um, and uh, <laughs> and by, by the, by the nine year old, the nine year old was like, this is like kaiju sized. Um, that's why like people are in his body. Uh, and uh, that was not. Um, that didn't even like occur to Russell T. Davies. And so he just <laughs> put a guy in a rubber suit. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, okay. So um, after season one was sort of a hot mess production wise. Um, and that was largely because uh, recording blocks had to start like overlapping in order to get finished on time um, and all of this. So like the long game, was shot simultaneously with the empty child and the doctor dances. Um, they basically put like all of the, the doctor and companion stuff. Like they, they mixed up the schedule enough so that like, you know, Eccleston and, and Billy Piper like shot all of their stuff, you know, at a regular schedule. And then all the other scenes were sort of like overlapping with each other and all of this stuff. It was, it was a mess. Um, and, Rosalie Davies was looking down the barrel of like, okay, so I did 13 episodes and it was a hot mess. Uh, and now I've got 14 episodes to produce this season with the Christmas invasion. Um, how am I going to do this? And then, so he, he concocted the idea of a Dr. Light episode. Um, and originally, uh, the concept for that episode was called, I love the doctor. 
and it concerned a female fan who was essentially stalking the doctor. Um, so it's about a female <laughs> doctor stalker. Great. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, but uh, he, he said that since season twenty eight or or season two uh, was already populated with women in strong supporting roles. Davies decided to replace the female stalker with a more benign male protagonist named Elton Pope. And then uh, he wanted to tell a story about the nurturing environment of fandom and how it can be spoiled by um, domineering self-important superfans. And so we get Love and Monsters. Um, The actor, Peter Kay... Uh, who is um, apparently like a, a comedian guy, and but had also like done some work on uh, like Coronation Street and things like that. He wrote to Russell T. Davies and was like, "I want to be in in Doctor Who," and he's like, "Well, I've got this great part, Elton Pope. Um, maybe you can play this." And he read the script and was like, "I don't, I, I Elton Pope is too similar to my character on Coronation Street, so I would actually rather play the Absorbaloff." and his alter ego. Um, and so they like worked together on the character and then uh, he ended up playing that character instead. And um, Mark Warren was, uh, was cast as Elton instead. Mark Warren, Warren, uh, Mark Warren is interesting because this is like the only time he's ever played a character like this. Typically he plays like, like a, like a heavy, like a, like a scary like crime guy um he was on he was on the good wife uh in I, arguably the worst arc of the good wife ever had he was a part of um <laughs> which you know didn't help things but um but uh yeah he was like uh a character's like ex like criminal ex-boyfriend and he was like very abusive but like she was into it and, and but then like also hated that she was into it it was like a whole thing and it was he was like intimidating and like it was weird. I, I just could not take it seriously whatsoever. Um, because I was like, that's the guy from Love and Monsters. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he's not particularly, he's pretty scrawny to be intimidating. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's the typical kind of role that he plays. So this was like very out of left field for him. Um, and, uh, and, and, and yeah, uh, this was the last episode to shoot in season two. Um, they like basically shot out Rose and, and the doctor, um, and had shot the finale, um, the two part finale, like two or three episodes earlier, they like shot that, the, the, the two part finale, like somewhere in the middle of the production of season two, um, presumably because of all the special effects that would need to happen, um, in post, but, uh, you know, what was funny about this was that um, he was writing this and he decided like, oh, I'm going to put Jackie Tyler in this. Well, uh, Camille uh, Cordry, like she thought she was done. Like she shot the finale. She wasn't in the remainder of the episode. So she was like, oh, yeah, I guess like that's it for me. Like that's that's it for Jackie. Old, old Jackie. Um, and uh, and then he like called her up and was like, hey, so Jackie's got like a really big part in this episode. Do you want to like film one last episode and she was like thrilled um, to come back and have such like a a focus on the character um in this episode um and uh and i'll be honest there's some really good the jackie stuff is probably the best stuff in this in this episode um i think personally um but that's it you know uh it came out people hated it uh this was this this came out at a time when when shows were like randomly doing episodes like this a lot. And it was, I, I literally think it is the start of people calling episodes filler episodes um, on the internet. That term that gets thrown away um, uh, by, by, by fans who demand like things to happen that are important in every episode to the plot and only the plot. It doesn't matter if it's good for the characters. Um yeah, because this was like still this was like around the same time that um, the lot the famous Lost episode, the uh, Apollo and Nikki, Nikki, the Nikki and Apollo episode. Yeah, of Lost. Oh. This is like around the same time that that happened, and everyone was like, "Fuck this filler bullshit! Stop <laughs> wasting my time." Um, you have so many so, questions. 
Yeah. We're wasting so time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so there was just a huge, uh, huge backlash to this episode. And until another episode that we all really don't like happened, this was the lowest rated episode on, on IMDb. Um, but there's one, there's, there's an episode that is one notch below this one. Um, or I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. That's fear her. That's not this one. That's fear her. Um, Fear Her is the lowest rated IMDb, but we'll get to Fear Her in a second. This one um, is, like, still pretty low. Uh, but anyway, that's Love and Monsters. Hey, you know how you make Love and Monsters a great episode? <laughs> you watch it in a double feature with Fear Her. <laughs> but... <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Largely speaking... Uh, it's the last 15 minutes of this episode that just sucks the wind out of this episode sales. The last 15 minutes are just absolute dog shit. Um, I don't know why any of that is in this. The last 15 minutes, it's just feels so mean um, for like no reason. Like, why are they punishing these poor people? I don't know. Um, but everything up to that point, I actually kind of enjoy. I don't know. It's not. It's not as bad as I remember it. I actually quite like all of that stuff up until the last fifteen minutes. Um, what do you guys think, Nick? What What do you think? Uh, to a, I I I know individually. I think of Love and Monsters and Fear Her as like, oh yeah, those two episodes that Scott really hates. Yeah, and I never appreciated that those are both in a row, one after the other. I think. The the one two punch of love of monsters and then fear her, I I am excited on our next round to talk about the finale, the season two finale on its own in a vacuum because I think that those two episodes in a row just absolutely obliterated my goodwill going into the finale and for a long time I've always felt that the season two finale was the weakest finale of the Russell T Davies era. I don't know if that's actually true or if it's literally just me being like getting through the slog of these two episodes before getting to the finale just like affected my enjoyment of it. I don't know. Um, very curious to find out. But what, what was your second? What was your second point? Oh, um, so I very I vividly remember sitting down to watch this for the first time on sci fi, mm -hmm. uh, like back in 2006 or whenever. And. This was back when every out every night I would sit down and be like, okay, what's going to happen this week on this, this crazy show from England that only I know about. Um, <laughs> and so I remember watching this for the first time being like, whoa, a doctor who episode can be this. And like, uh -huh. not have the doctor. It reminded me of like a, a Batman, the animated series episode mm -hmm. where, you know, we tilt into and we see like, well, what are the regular people in Gotham doing? Or how does Batman affect, you know, regular people? Um, and so I have a lot of affection for this episode and how big and campy it is. And um, I think your taste could veer onto whether or not a lot of this episode is like charming or obnoxious. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but yeah, I, I had like a fun time watching this and yeah like it, it there is it's almost kind of like a horror comedy with like and that has all these kind of likable quirky characters and then like just you know they, they each befell a horrible fate but in kind of like a campy comical way mm -hmm. um but also kind of sad so yeah it's a really weird episode <laughs> yeah Cass. um no i i agree i really like this episode up until the point i do not like this episode um and mm -hmm. it really is the the frickin' the alien. I as soon as the mm -hmm. alien like is revealed, I just like I don't want to be yeah. here anymore. <laughs> um, uh -huh. And I think part of the reason why I like this is because I do personally find it charming, and also like the um like the conceit or like the like the narrative, uh, whatever of the episode where he's like making a little documentary. Um, I watched Doctor Who after finishing Buffy for the first time, and I really like that episode in season seven, um, Storyteller, which is, you know, mm -hmm. like a, 
a blonde guy talking to the camera, like making a documentary <laughs> about his weird life. Um, so the the overlap for me, like the first time I saw this, I was like, oh, it's like Storyteller, but for Doctor Who. And then it was not that. Um, but it was <laughs> it's really fun to revisit now. I really like all the Jackie stuff. I know last time we were talking about how that episode was pretty horny, but I think this one uh takes the cake because uh all of the Jackie scenes are like really delightfully <laughs> like over the top. Yeah. Uh, bless. I love her. I was thinking at one point during one of her scenes, she might be the best Doctor Who character ever. <laughs> I, I, you could easily make that argument. I think I really, I really do think that. Yeah. Like her and Brig. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I, I would maybe throw in Bernard Cribbins just for good measure. Um, mm-hmm. but <laughs> cause I love him. No, I shan't. It's Christmas. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, uh, so I, I love like the juxtaposition too. like the use of the cutaways are done in a way that like, they're not like talking head, like the office talking head kind of cutaways. Mm -hmm. They're more like these, these sort of like ironic narrative things like the scene in the laundromat with Jackie where he was like, I have to do this. And then she does it for him like Mm -hmm. every time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've got to get her to talk to me. And then she's like, oh, a cute guy. I'm going to go talk to him. Like, it's just, it was just so in character for Jackie, someone that we know so deeply well at this point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and have not really gotten to see the side of her since kind of Rose, you know? Um, I guess you get like a little hint of it with her, her boyfriend uh, with the, with the robe, with the, with the orange in the robe and, uh, <laughs> christmas invasion uh-huh um yeah but but other than that like you know it's mostly about her dealing with rose and there's a little bit of that here but uh i also just love rose like coming to defend she's gonna kick some guy's ass because she <laughs> hurt her, her mom uh but then like you know i uh, arguably i mean i don't know i really don't like season two rose i talk about this all the time but maybe rose's best scene is her being like i'm gonna kick your ass seeing how much he's hurting and then being like oh and then like going and like giving him a hug and i'm like that's nice like i i don't know like that feels very much like season one rose to me um it's not it's not often that she feels that way in season two um she also gets a really good moment in fear her where like she's the first one to notice the missing child posters while the doctor's like rambling about whatever Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's that's a pretty good moment too um but i don't know overall all i could think even in the good scenes all i could think about was like Man, if Russell T. Davies, like, today had come up with this concept, this episode would be so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I really, it just feels very mean. I don't know. It just feels very mean-spirited. Like, these poor people didn't do anything wrong. Like, you know, well, they were like... The, uh, well, I guess, like, the message at the end that Russell T. was trying to make, or at least observation, like, as a longtime fan, is, like, or, you know, just a dude who's been thinking about Doctor Who since he was a little kid mm-hmm. It is the concept of like, oh, like if you get caught up in this guy's show, what are the repercussions of that? And it's like this tragedy of like it, I, I hadn't thought of like the fandom allegory until you mentioned it. And now, oh, yeah, it's like a group of people of different ages that are kind of like awkward and individual in their own way, like finding each other and being like cringy and like just and like uh vulnerable together you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah there's a there's that cool montage where he's like talking about how like yeah you know like we all came to the doctor in different ways and and we would talk about the doctor and for a while that was all we talked about and then we just started talking about other things and it was just sort of like about how you know fandoms like you can just meet a group of people because you all like the same thing but then over the course of time like you just become friends, like real mm-hmm. friends. And it's not just about that anymore, that one thing. But like that'll always be the thing that brought you together to begin with, you know. But eventually you just sort of move on and, you know, 
become real friends. And that's kind of what this was about. And I thought that was like really sweet and charming until they all died. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, like gross. (laughs) If you're, if you're thinking about fandom, like in like pre like now, and like even, even now, like with the, the internet, like, if someone like drops out of like the message board or or something and you don't have a way to contact them because like some person mm-hmm. is like bullying you guys in the message board or whatever, like you may never find that person again. Um, like mm-hmm. that that friendship is essentially like over unless you have exchanged like contact information. So like that I I really like that as like an allegory for fandom because like I've like I used to have like when I was on Tumblr I used to have a lot of uh people that we like that I met through there and then we never exchanged like any other social media and then I stopped being on there. So now I'm just like I don't know mm-hmm. how to contact these people anymore and like that was a fun time but like it it you know what I mean? Like sometimes it just mm-hmm. like friendships just like fall through the cracks like that. So it sucks that they like died in the episode but as like a allegorical thing that made sense to me. Yeah. Right, like their confusion of like where where did this person go? But then also kind of how Elton is sort of able to you you don't you don't it's not inexcusable that they drop it after yeah. a certain point. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well what can we what can we do? They were from like they're it's it made it seem like they were all even from different parts of the UK. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is true. Um no, and I understand that. I also thought it was weird that like the first girl that gets absorbed Bliss. isn't, I don't remember her in the Absorbatron's body. She, I only re- remember the two older folks and Bob there's a joke that she's on the butt. She's on his, his butt. Yeah. Oh, I missed that joke. Okay. Yeah. Not a great joke. Your brain like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, your brain like blacked out for a second. Yeah, I probably did. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't like, I really don't like toilet humor in Doctor Who. Um, it bothers me. It just doesn't feel like, it. they don't go together. You know, <laughs> that me. might be the uh, the finger of the monkey's paw curling with this, uh, you know, Russell T. Davies comeback. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, I'm just hoping that he's like, he's older now. And he's like grown out of gonna it. be doing that. Yeah, I hope. Um, but, because also like, not for nothing, but he got, he he's sort of gotten, uh, wrung out over fat shaming um which is like kind of a thing that he did a lot during his era so mm-hmm. hopefully he was listening to all of that and being like oh i shouldn't do that this time um fingers crossed anyway um yeah i i, think- I understand the allegory and i appreciate the allegory i just like all of them and i don't want them to be absorbed by a gross monster thing <laughs> um that's like I mean, he's like fat bastard, but like in like an alien costume, but it's like the same accent and like, yeah, it's just, it's just yeah. fat bastard. I don't know. I, to- <laughs> I totally, I can empathize with that because, you know, I can, I guess from the, what made it work for me or not like too sad for me is just the camp like of them all dying in the exact same way of like, oh, mm. uh, uh, one, one second, Bliss, can you? stay for a minute oh okay bye everybody okay we're not sensing a pattern and like the like <laughs> edgar wright joke of like them walking away just in time for like the scream it uh-huh. was like so over the top that i kind of it wasn't like watching like you know sometimes i watch like horror comedies like scream or slither or something and it's always like a little bittersweet watching these fun characters get killed off you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I don't know. This isn't as good as any of the examples that you listed. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> very good um, yeah. Oh, um, what did you think of the uh the callbacks to like big events that had happened throughout the RTD run at the time at the beginning? Like where he was during the 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 mannequin invasion and all that. I like that, but I think it's done better in turn left, um, which is like essentially doing the same thing that this is. Um, it's even a Dr. Light episode, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, 
I don't know. I think I think this concept is like a fun concept, like the the the, the Doctor Light episode. But I think it's done better in the subsequent seasons, like Blink, obviously masterpiece, and then be like splitting up the Doctor Light companion light episodes in season four. I think is a really smart. What that was like a really smart structural thing mm-hmm. by having like midnight and turn left back to back. Yeah. So. Uh, um. It's weird that it's interesting that they flash back to Rose, like the episode or not Rose. Yeah, that is Rose, right? Yeah, with the, yeah, with Rose. The box yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I own I own the novel version of that. I should know that. <laughs> um, they there's a part that always bugged me because even in that episode, we meet a Doctor Who obsessive, that that guy in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought it was a weird kind of mean spirited choice to kill him off in that episode. Oh, that's right. I forgot that happened. Yeah. In front of in front of his wife and son. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. That's right. And I'm always like, ah, because he's so like he's funny and he's charming. And then watching uh Love and Monsters earlier, I was like, oh man, if they hadn't have killed him off, he totally could have been like one of the Linda people and it would have been a fun like callback. Mm-hmm. That's true. That would have been fun. I was also watching this okay. I know, Nick, you have never seen Torchwood. Cass, have you ever seen Torchwood? Or did you like Yeah, I watched watch all a few of Torchwood. episodes of it? All of Torchwood. Oh, yeah. okay, great. Isn't this guy like like Elton, like his energy is what was missing from Torchwood? Like if if he was like the new guy on the crew and like was having to deal with like Jack and like all this, I feel like that's the the energy that was missing from Torchwood was like a little bit of like earnestness. So you mean fun? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I'm just I I'm I'm thinking about like like the boys and like the dynamic that they get there by having um, uh, Jack Quaid. Uh, Jack Quaid. Thank you. I was like J- Jameson, J- Jonathan, <laughs> Jack Quaid. Um, uh, uh, by having like Jack Quaid opposite, um. Um, God, I'm forgetting everybody's name. Bill the Butcher. Um, yeah, Bill the Butcher. Sure. Uh, but yeah, that dynamic of just like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing now? Like that, that whole thing I think is fun. And like, if he had just literally brought back Elton and just been like, it's going to be Elton and Jack. And that's going to be what, like the start of, like, that would be so fun. And like Jack (laughs) constantly like hitting on, on Elton, like just for fun, you know, like just. That that vibe plus the rest of the team because like I don't want to get rid of Gwen but like making Gwen the main character of that show was always like weird because she wasn't that far removed from Jack in terms of like vibes and so it just I don't know you know the it show like never quite reached the potential of its concept yeah I think, I think everyone is like it takes itself too seriously and everyone's like so angry yeah. all the time you know yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, they were they were missing like this guy's energy in that show. He's a fun he's a fun RTD character. Mm-hmm. He's he's somehow like a very like vulnerable soft dude without it being like too like the like you know RTD isn't too concerned with us like pitying this dude or like feeling bad yeah. for him. But yeah. even but we do though cuz like even when Rose is like it's almost kind of like he's like a, a kid the way he's she's kind of like hugging him and trying to make him like, oh, it's OK. I'm sorry. You're all your friends got like liquefied. You seem like a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, man. I had one other thought that I wanted to bring up. Um, oh, originally. The in the first draft of this, um, when it flashes back to his mom getting killed, his mom gets killed by um an auton during the events of terror of the autons um but then he realized like he needed to see the doctor and they wouldn't be able to do that <laughs> because that would be the third doctor which would have been you know difficult um because i don't think sean pertwee was going to come back and play his dad um so they nixed that and just had it set in the 70s but i thought that would be fun because the idea was like that happens, but he like kind of blacked it out, like how his mom died and the whole thing. And then when Rose happens and the Autons attack again, he's like, wait. And then it like started like open stuff up in his head again, oh. um, which is what gets everything rolling. <clears throat> Autons beget 
autons. Um, it's like reliving his his uh, trauma. Um, yeah. Anyway, this was the uh, the first time I ever heard the song "Mr. Blue Sky." Nice. And it it you know I was like, oh my god, what is this? And I spent weeks looking <laughs> yeah. for it. It's a really good. It's a really good song. Um, it's a really good song. I, I will say, uh, I think the first time I heard it was in the trailer for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, but it blew me away then. So, <laughs> so there's that. Yeah, um, so when was the first time you heard Mr. Blue Sky? I, I could <laughs> not tell you. Yeah. Uh, um, guys, real quick, I'm almost, I'm 60% sure that we have had this exact, the exact conversation we just had on another episode of the show. Itself. <laughs> Is, really? About, about that song? Yeah, I just got deja vu. Oh, okay. Um, lastly, shout out to Shirley Henderson, uh, AKA Babu Frick herself. Moaning Myrtle. Um, him, yeah. Moni Myrtle, uh, that character she plays in the in the Bridget Jones movies. Um, we're, we're blowing Cass's mind right now. She she's the voice <laughs> of Babu Frick too. Uh-huh. Nah, nah. Yes. Shut up. No way. There's a there, there's a documentary of her. It. Like she yeah, she operates him <gasps> oh too. My God. That's that's all her. Hey hey. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a behind the scenes documentary on the Rise of Skywalker um Blu-ray or whatever. It's probably in the special features on Disney Plus. You can just watch it. Nice. Um but yeah, she's like she's doing it and she does the Babu Frick voice and it's That's awesome. It's amazing. I love that yeah. for her. <laughs> yeah. National treasure. Yeah. Uh I I and th- this is something that like I I I understand that her voice is um very unique. Uh, uh unique. Yes. And uh, as a result, she does mostly voiceover stuff. Um, however, I was just charmed as hell to see her just playing a normal human being mm-hmm. <laughs> in this. Just a normal human being with a normal human being life. Um, <laughs> like, I was just, I was like, look at you, just like wearing jeans and t-shirts and just, you know. Being normal. Um, that was nice. You don't get to see that very much with her. She's uh, she's kind of in the same league as like Kiera Knightley, you know, because she's also really good in Marie Antoinette. But like, yeah, they're, they're both actors where it's like every time I see you, you're like in the Regency era or like mm-hmm. Les Miserables era. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, or or a ghost in the boys' bathroom. <laughs> Is she in a Richard Curtis movie? Well, I mean, it depends on if you count the Bridget Jones movies as Richard Curtis movies. Oh, of course, duh. Yeah. Yeah. Because she is she is in those. Um part of Bridget Jones's friend group. She's alongside in the alongside Gaius Baltar, I think. Yeah. Wow. Um Yeah. She he's the he's the sassy gay friend, Gaius Baltar. <laughs> and <laughs> in the Bridget Jones movies. Uh, those movies had the best like friend groups, you know, like 90s to yeah. 2000s British comedies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Just like Linda. Uh, all right. Do we have anything else to say about Linda, about, about Love of Monsters? I, I was thinking at one point when they were coming up with the name Linda. <laughs> The what is it? What is it? The London the London Investigation and Detective Agency, right? With the N, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rock and roll, pork and beans, or fish whatever. and chips, fish and chips. Um, when I when he was talking about that, I was just like, man, if this was an episode people loved, you wouldn't be able to get away from that T-shirt, mm-hmm. like the Linda T-shirt, like you know, like where where it's like one of those like if you know you know like the T-shirts club. Yeah, um, I I'm just like man. I bet I I wonder if anyone has ever made that shirt, or if it's just everyone just ignores it. <laughs> yeah, like go uh, type in yeah Doctor Who Linda, see what comes up. <laughs> yeah, probably probably somebody's done it. Um, anyway, 
I'm happy uh, to report uh, to everyone that this will be the last time that I ever um, see the Absorbaloft. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) You know, I'll say this about the Absorbaloft. He Uh looks like the creation of a nine-year-old boy come to life. (laughs) That is true. I'll give you that. That long mohawk, man, it's a lot. It's just, it's too much. I think it's just, (laughs) he's so gross. Who's that (laughs) X-Man villain that loves, like, he's like a reality TV host? Mojo. Mojo. Yep, Mojo. He looks, he very much looks like Mojo, except that he walks. Um, He's not in, like, a little flying hovercraft thingy. Mm -hmm. Um, I, and I will say, credit where credit's due. The joke about him being f- the the uh, from the Sylvines like twin planet, and and his and it's like oh it's weird that we have this, these back to back with uh, Boomtown last week, um but just the fact that like the joke about like theirs being really long and then the twin the twin planet just being like clomp and that's it mm-hmm. it's just <laughs> I that's a good joke I don't know <laughs> and his like utter contempt for the Sylvine yeah yeah um. Anyway, love and monsters. Um, take it or leave it. <laughs> um, moving on to fear her. <sighs> so okay, Do so fear we have her. To? <laughs> um, well, okay, so fear her is an episode um, that was a replacement episode. Shocker! Originally, um, there was a an episode. Um, that was going to be written by Stephen Fry. Uh, that was going to take place in the 1920s. And um, they decided that uh, they were having budget issues in season two and weren't going to be able to afford it. So they pushed it to the next season. And then ultimately it just got um, abandoned completely. Uh, so Stephen Fry still has yet to write an episode of Doctor Who. Um, but uh, yeah, so he went to uh, Matthew Graham who would, um, I think around the same time, was uh, creating Life on Mars, um, which is the show that popularized uh, the uh, the uh, actor who would go on to play the Master in season three. Um, and uh, uh, so, yeah, so he's going to write this thing. And um, he came from, I guess, kids television. And so he was, like, really excited to, like, write, Doctor Who and Davies was like, "Hey, so we need a budget conscious episode. So can you do an episode that takes place in a single location, like a bunker?" And Graham was like, "That sounds dull." So instead, he proposes a high concept idea about an entity draining an alien planet of its beauty. Huh? And Davies was like, "I don't like that. No." Um, I don't want to do that. Uh, that's, uh, not what I asked you to do. And also, um, it sounds like it sucks. Um, (laughs) so, uh, he asked him instead to, uh, try to consider a scenario that would appeal to his young son. Um, and so then he started talking about how, um, kids are like afraid of like old portraits and, uh, then, was like, what if there was an adventure involving living paintings? But then he was like, but it would be even creepier if it was children's drawings because they're like surreal and disproportionate. Um, and then they were like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then he greenlit that concept. <laughs> and so uh, so we get this. And uh, they decided that like, okay, we're just going to have this take place in a regular neighborhood. Um, we're going to shoot this in the same block with um idiot's lantern so this is literally literally like a few blocks away from where they shot idiot's lantern and you can kind of feel it Mm -hmm. like it feels like part of the same area um without a doubt and uh and then they're like okay well i mean that's boring so let's let's at least do a little something extra and have it take place in the mild future of 2012 um, and, uh, and cause I guess everybody was, everyone had Olympics fever because the London Olympics for 2012 had just been announced, I think 
fairly recently up to this point. And so they're like, yeah, let's do that. Um, and uh, the original title, here's the thing. And I, I can't emphasize this enough. These titles are cool, but it wouldn't help the fact that the episode is still bad. Like the episode would not have changed. So <laughs> whatever. But um, w- one episode title that they threw around was Chloe Weber destroys the earth. And another nice. one, another one was you're a bad girl, Chloe Weber. Uh-uh. Um, both of which I vastly prefer to fear her, which is truly one of the worst Doctor Who titles, uh, only matching the fact that it's one of the worst Doctor Who episodes. Um, but uh, at least the title would have been cool. But I guess it would have been even a further disappointment if the title was cool and the episode was this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, that's it. That's it. Nothing, nothing really notable. Nothing else really notable about this one. Um, and, uh, I think we can just stop talking about it. Uh, (laughs) Episode over. Um, I don't know. I don't like to like really like point fingers, but I mean, truly, uh, this is, I, and I don't, I, I blame Euros Lynn. I don't blame the act, the actress, but like, this is one of the worst kid performances I've ever seen in anything. Um, it is truly horrendous. And, I blame Euros Lynn. Uh, and we've, we've talked about Euros Lynn on the show a lot. He directed this episode. He directed The Idiot's Lantern. And we've talked about the fact that, like, Euros Lynn is a guy who is feast or famine. Either he gets a good episode and heightens that thing to heights that you've never experienced before on Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Or he gets a bad script and he is incapable of elevating it in any way. And, in fact, seems to double down on how shitty it is. <laughs> um and I don't really understand that, but that's that's Euros Lin for you. And uh, and and boy, oh boy, does he not pull any punches in this one? Um, it seems like he has he is filming this entire episode with contempt for this script. Um, it is uh, infuriating to watch, and uh, I just wish somebody had directed this poor child um, because holy shit, <laughs> woof. <laughs> anyway what do you guys think i like it really yeah i had fun i've uh oh. i've always had a soft spot for this one just because again it was kind of part of the original run where i was like okay last week was really weird what's gonna happen this week oh it's <laughs> the the olympics cool and this kind of for me this had just kind of like a day like a scully and molder vibe where it's just and very you know long-time listeners know how scott feels about this era of ten and rose mm-hmm. Um, but just watching them kind of like their back and forth was fun. I just think the, uh, a solace is just like kind of a lovely, beautiful kind of concept of like these flowers that are hyper empathetic and need community because they're traversing the stars and one separates and is so lonely and sad and it attaches to this little girl and is like, like senses that it's like like the irony that this scary weird girl chloe weber is actually like this really lovable like kind person so much that the elossus is like attracted to it and then like loves it you know at the end it's like i love you chloe lover goodbye i'm like this is like a really lovely little sci-fi story and it like the stakes are really low and then i have a lot of it's just kind of i and i yeah like the the image of david Tennant running down the street with the olympic torch just kind of it makes me happy after all these years <laughs> Cass um so I don't like this one um but I will say that this time around um the the scene where the the evil drawing dad um is like threatening the mom and the kid like I felt that this time. Like, I don't know, something about Wednesday, I guess. <laughs> so, like, I was able to, like, <laughs> empathize with these characters instead of just, like, oh, this 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 episode. Um, But, um, and I kind of like Rose on her own, like, working out the puzzle by herself without the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, Because, like, at first when we started, um the long way around and we got to like the tenant and rose stuff 
I didn't really understand the smug thing that you have a problem with, Scott. Um, but like I like Idiot's Lantern for sure and this one too, like at the very beginning when they're kind of like shooting the shit. Um, especially because we just came off of like watching Eggleston and Rose. Um mm-hmm. the I don't yeah, I don't know. I'm like souring on their dynamic and it, I don't know how to feel about that. But I liked her by herself, um, like working through the puzzle and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't. Yeah, I don't I don't really care for this one. <laughs> um, I I appreciate everything that you're saying, Nick. I just don't think that any of it is on screen. Like, I, I know they say all of these things and I'm sure it's in the script, but I just feel like Euros Lynn doesn't bring any of that like the way that you're talking about it is so much better executed than the way that it's shot yeah. in the episode um yeah i guess, I guess so me, unpleasant. Uh, yeah and I, I guess it's like the uh when i watch it it also i wouldn't put this on like unicorn and the wasp level or uh or even like you know christmas invasion you know but to me it's just kind of like uh rudimentary like, it's like, oh, yeah, this is like a slice of this era that I loved at the time and now have a lot of nostalgia for. Mm. So, like, mm-hmm. what, what what you said about it being like blocks away from the idiot's lantern, it kind of like, oh, yes, it feels like it's it, part of this, like, you know, uh, universe. Like, I like the uh, the Olympic guy, the guy who's really obsessed with the quality of the roads. Uh-huh. I feel like we don't get characters like that in like the Chibnall era or even the Moffat era. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the old, it's like almost kind of like Stephen King, the old lady that's like, take your kids, go inside. It's not safe. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm having fun. This, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. There's something about like the way that the child actress like is like growling all of her dialogue that just grates on me real bad. It's the whisper thing. Um, I I yeah. I don't like it when people get whispery and it's like supposed to be menacing, but it's just like I don't I don't know. I feel bad for this actress. All I was think all I was thinking about was like I was like this sounds like a big finish story. <laughs> like it doesn't <laughs> It doesn't sound like television to me. Um, yeah, even with yeah. it being like one street and like six yeah. characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, yeah. I almost feel like Big Finish would have executed this better than than this episode was executed. Um, the same story, given the same script, let them adapt it to audio. And I think it would be a better story um, than this. And they probably would have given it a better title than Fear Her. What? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I- in its defense, because it's just two words, I think in a world where the episode was like, I think if Deep Breath was a really bad story, Deep Breath mm-hmm. would become a really bad title. Does that make sense? I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I remember people didn't like it at the time, the title, Deep Breath. Right, with how like, broad it is. Yeah. Um, speaking of audio... There's a really cool shot of like a town banner, like the Olympics 2012. And I don't normally like going in and remastering stuff, but I thought it would have been really cool if they went back and put in somebody that I used to know, like playing in the background. <laughs> That's good. Nice. Um, I did like the part where she stole all of the people at the Olympics and the guy, the Olympics announcer was just like, they, they're all gone right before my eyes. And then, and then he was like, "Let's, uh, let's, let's call Jeff in the booth. Jeff, are you there? Oh, not you too, Jeff. Like, oh no, Jeffrey, just... not you. No. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I like that. I like that part. Um, yeah. I also liked. Do the Olympic torches actually look like that, or did they try to like figure <laughs> like futurify they... them? Yeah, did they try to futurify the the torches because th- they're like obviously in 2012. I think that each Olympics has its own distinct torch design. I think that's like part of oh. the thing. So like Okay. Mm-hmm. Killer Brimbor forges a new one. <laughs> I remember I remember how badly everyone wanted David Tennant to be one of the people running the torch. Yep. 
during the Olympics in 2012. And I'm like, why? To make this episode canon? Why? <laughs> why? I remember that one? too. That was like a Tumblr post that I would see a lot back in the day. It's like, guys, we're only a few years away. David Tennant has to. Yeah. I remember that. Um, um, I think I think the concept of uh, a kid drawing and then a kid getting sucked into the drawing and it's like sad and like banging against. I remember thinking like that's a scary kind of almost Moffity idea on its own. Yeah, I think you're I think you hit the nail on the head with with the with the X-Files of it all. This feels like an X-Files episode and not like it feels like an X-Files episode for like half of it, maybe a little more than half. But like and then the the actual explanation of what's going on is very Doctor Who. But like everything surrounding it is very X-Files. Um but like I don't know. I don't know if I want X-Files in my Doctor Who. That's what X-Files is for. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I really, I don't even think, there's nothing like even in the script that necessarily like, I don't like, right? Like, it's not like I'm like hearing the script and being like, oh, this sucks. It really is just, it's, it just feels so, the whole episode just feels kind of half-assed by Euros Lynn. Mm. Um, I fully blame him for this, for the, for, for my feelings on this episode. Um, I don't blame anybody else. I think this script in another director's hands could be a fine episode. Um, but as for some reason, I don't know, his heart wasn't in this one. I don't think, I don't know why. Um, you know, you mentioned, uh, the kind of the, the misdirection of the actor playing Chloe Weber, uh, Apparently, he directed all of, if not most, of that show Heartstopper from earlier this year. Yeah. Was that good? Yeah. Cool. It was phenomenal directing. Um, that's the thing. But it was, I don't know. I don't I mean, know. But also, isn't that crazy how that's like, what, like 17 years ago? Like, yeah. Uh, of work. Because he directed yeah. like a bunch of Sherlock. Yeah. He's been around a while. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh Heartstopper. Cass, if you watched Heartstopper, you should watch Heartstopper. It's like an anime. I haven't. But I should. It's yes. yeah, it's like a it's like a it's like a gay anime. Like it's so good. <laughs> uh it's so good. You would love it so much. You just watch the whole thing with hearts in your eyes. Okay. Cool. Um yeah. Uh, also watched, also they're never they're never like mean to the characters like that's so like you don't ever have to like every time you get to a point where you're like oh no like something bad is gonna happen nothing bad ever happens so like nice know that going in like all those like stressful moments they relieve the tension pretty quickly where they're like but the bad thing's not gonna happen the thing you think is gonna be happened that would happen in any other show it's not gonna happen it's great sweet <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh, olivia coleman's in it doctor who's olivia coleman oh nice <laughs> yeah that's true um anyway uh i don't know i don't know it it was it was i was just kind of flabbergasted by like how much a tv director like could can affect an episode of a show mm -hmm. um because yeah like as you're explaining it it's like yeah i guess there isn't anything wrong with this story it's just the execution of it all that I really don't like. Um, I don't know. That's so weird. Yeah, I'm <laughs> not. I'm now currently. I'm going back to which episodes of Doctor Who modern era that I really didn't like, and like, mm -hmm. can I think about why? And I guess I think about like, uh, what's the one with the haunted? That's the thing. Yeah, like they kind of evaporate in my head. Like, what's the Matt Smith one where it's like a haunted house and there's a camera? And there's like the go the Ghostbusters cold open. Uh yeah. I don't remember the name of it, but I know what you're talking about. I remember that one being really boring and uninteresting. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I also haven't uh, watched no. it in like eight years. Well, I will say, I will say, so I mentioned earlier this is the lowest rated um uh episode on IMDB um until another episode that we all uh I, I know that we all don't like which is uh sleep no more sleep no more beat this one for the worst rated one and if you don't remember what sleep no more is it is the found footage episode of doctor who with where everybody has like the sand in their eyes and um yeah 
why? It's I got like... it's got um Reese Cheer Cheer Cheersmith. What is his name? Um, oh, I hadn't thought of that. That guy. What is his oh, name? Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Reese <laughs> really helped me out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It's a Capaldi era episode. Um, it's in the Cast, last season of Clara. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Do you remember Sleep No More? Okay, I remember us not yeah. liking it. Hmm. Some. For being like my favorite doctor, I think, you know, I, you know, that, that's a big statement, but there's, for some reason, there's a lot of Capaldi stories. I really don't remember very clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and then it's tied with kill the moon, which fair. <laughs> um. <laughs> See, okay, so looking at Kill the Moon, Kill the Moon to me is an episode that is actively, like, I get frustrated uh-huh. because I'm like, ah, the show is, can be smarter than this. And, like, I hate that it's, like, why is it designed this way to get this point across? Or is this the point that it's trying to get across? To, when I watch Fear Her, it just kind of rolls along, and it's, like, checking in with my friends this week. Sure, yeah. And I think, but that, and I think that's, I think that is exactly what I mean, where it's like, there isn't actually anything wrong with the script. And I think that's what you're recognizing. <laughs> um, but for me, it's, it's, it's the way all of that was brought to life is what my problem is. Um, which makes it like kind of a unique episode in that way. I think. Um, yeah. He has bad luck with directors, this guy, because he would go on to write uh, the, uh the goopy the goopy guys uh two-parter um yeah revenge of the goopy guys oh oh um the 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 gangers the the evil 11th doctor yeah yeah Yeah. right 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 rebel rebel flesh and the normal people the one we always think is chibnall but isn't chibnall yeah the one that's very chibnallish yeah yeah i I, well because it's because it's boring and i think that's because of the director again i think the director like I don't know. We'll see when we revisit it eventually, but um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I just I feel bad that we were like, oh yeah, that really boring one. Yeah, it's a Chibnall one, right? Yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy. Anyway, um, they released the first pictures from the Power of the Doctor today, and I was just like looking at the pictures, and I was just like, yeah, it looks like a Chibnall episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And I felt bad, but I was just like, oh, boy, I'm ready for this era to be over. (laughs) I haven't seen them. The photos? No. Are they? BBC released them. Um, Anything of note? Like a a dog in a mech suit? Uh, They're Cybermen. Your favorite. Great. Yep. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that hasn't happened yet, right? That hasn't happened in, in, in Jody's era. Yeah, what? it did. Cybermen? Okay. The the Mary yeah. Shelley yeah. one? Oh, of course, my favorite episode of the whole <laughs> era. Yeah. <laughs> um, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> That's right, the lone Cyberman. He was like a whole villain. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um. All right, well. See, this is why we did both of these episodes together. Could you imagine if we hadn't? Um, <laughs> We'd still be talking about ELO. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and then, in 1978, ELO put out this album. <laughs> Wait, so, so this was supposed to be like a, a, a cost saver, right? Yeah. Like a, they, they paid for like three ELO songs in this. In, in, in Love and in Monsters. Love and Monsters, not in not Yes, in Love and Monsters, yeah. Yeah. Love Love and Monsters was a was trying to save on the schedule, the scheduling of 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 Billy Piper and David Tennant by like not having them heavily featured in it. This episode, Fear Her, was the cost saving episode. Okay, Um, Which makes sense because it's just like the doctor and Rose walking in and out of people's houses, really the same house, Mm -hmm. walking in and out of the same house, walking in backyards uh and uh, kind of an or, rpg or gardens yeah what it's kind of an rpg oh yeah yeah 
They're just like walking around, chilling. You know, people disappear, but they don't like do it on camera. They just it's like a noise, and you cut back, and they're gone. <laughs> or a cat. So, yeah, cat goes into a box. There's nothing in the box. Cat don't come out. That's of like box. that's a that's a that's a Schrodinger's cat joke, right? That's what that was. Oh, yeah. I get it. Like a really uh, oh, there, subtle Schrodinger's cat joke. There's that great uh, backcombing joke. Mm. In Where's fear, her in love and monsters again. <laughs> okay. <Going> back to- <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh no! No, it, it, it is fear her because they're following the cat. And Rose sees the cat. It's like, oh, who's a, who's a pretty boy? And David Tennant's like, oh yeah, thanks. I'm experimenting with backcombing. And then it's like, oh, you were you were talking to the cat. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Um, man, <laughs> imagine if she talked to the doctor like that. Who's a handsome boy? <laughs> I love the idea that he earnestly believed that that's who <laughs> she was talking to. Um. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, uh, I don't know. The the torch was lit. The Olympics <laughs> happened. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. He did it. He we caught Olympics. up to this episode before we caught up to Back to the Future Part 2. And that was in 1989. So, you know. This is 2012. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know, guys. Um. <laughs> Kind of a bust on the tenth doctor for me, uh, this round. But you know, it is what it is. Uh, we had to talk about these stories. So what's next time? There it is. I'm... Next time's the logic. Oh hell yeah! Which is going to be very interesting because, uh, uh, I don't think I've watched this episode since. You know who has become you know who. Yeah. Say his name, Scott Voldemort. <laughs> James Corden. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it'll be it'll be an interesting rewatch this time because, uh, yeah, I just, you know, that's the thing. I I liked the Wrong Man's when it came out. Didn't much care for the second season, but I loved the first season of the Wrong Man's. Um, I watched his sitcom. I liked James Corden, and now I very I I am told that I shouldn't like him. Uh, I was told by British people that we shouldn't like him, and we were like, ah, whatever. You guys are just you. You're you're just drowning in Corden. You know, we don't have to worry about that. And now we're drowning in Corden, and so we do have to worry about <laughs> it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Cass, how do you feel about James Corden, like emotionally? Uh, well, I watched Cats 2019, so not great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I still like the Lodger. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. You know, like his ad libbing, <laughs> his cat prov, <laughs> cat prov. Uh, I wonder if Brian listens to the show. No. Well, he should. He doesn't watch Doctor Who, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll be back next week with the lodger or not next week, next time with the lodger. I've lost track of what day we're on, on our release schedule, but our next episode, you guys know when it's coming out. It's either a Sunday or a Tuesday. Uh, we are releasing the lodger, um, and, uh, we're almost done. And then the power of the doctor is on the other side of that. So fun times. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so interesting, uh, when that title hit. There were two jokes happening simultaneously that were they were the same joke, but about different aspects of it, which was the like the joke that that cast posted on the discord, which was like. The power of the doctor, if I had a nickel for every time a, a Chibnall episode was called the power of I'd have two nickels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's weird that it's happened twice. But then the other joke that I was hearing a lot was like, this sounds like a Moffat episode because of. Name of the Doctor, Day of the Doctor, Time of the Doctor, Power of the Doctor. That's funny. Um, yeah. So it's just like it, it, it's it like reminds people of two different things simultaneously, which I thought was really interesting. <sighs> I hope uh, I hope it has a lot in common with. Uh, well, no, never mind. I hope I hope, I hope it's more on the side of the the Moffat side of 
things. I don't mm. know. Do we like what did we think of Power Three all those years ago? I think we were okay I don't with it. Remember. I do not remember. I remember that it has fun Matt Smith stuff in it, but that's all I remember. Like fun, like the three of them being roommate stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, they, they play Nintendo Wii. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they do. That's right. Maybe they'll play um, Nintendo Wii and the power of the doctor. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. That art that came out about the power of the doctor, I was just thinking, like, what's going to happen to her earring when she regenerates? Like, is the next doctor going to have an earring now because she has an earring? Or is it going to just, like, fall off? I can't believe we have a doctor with, like, a dangly cuff earring who isn't the gayest doctor. Anyway, I'm mad about it. But. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. Um. Gosh, it's so soon. Yeah. Yeah. I presumably less than a month, but we'll see. Um, all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with the Lodger. Bye-bye. Bye. Happy Olympics. Yay.